people have to realize that hops are agriculture and we are beholden to the agricultural gods and much like most of this year, the agriculture gods are kind of pissed off. <laughs> Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast with Living a Stout Life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on-the-road adventurers, and craft beer lovers. Your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. That's the sound of fresh hot beer, baby. Fresh hops. How do you get fresh hot beer? Fresh hot beer, you go to Yakima, Washington. That's how you get fresh hops. Or somewhere beer. where you're close by a, a hop farm where they're harvesting hops. And that's not the easiest thing to do. I mean, there are little hop farms all over the place. So they are popping up even like in places like Colorado now, but where you wouldn't think. True. But, but what I understand though, 75% of North America's hops are produced and harvested and grown in Pacific Northwest. And a lot of that is in Yakima Valley, Washington. Yes. Which absolutely. is where we were. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, we kind of, and we finally timed it just right. I mean, we we came to Yakima not knowing too much about the hop season and everything like that. I mean, we knew about when it was and what was going on, but, you know, we didn't know the perfect time to hit it. And we hit it right at the end, which actually worked out well. Yeah, it was awesome. So we didn't get to see a ton of hops growing on the farm itself because they were all already pulled off from the vines. Um, some of the farms around there did have like the hops still yeah, growing. They hadn't harvested fully, but most of it was gone because they're being harvested. Right. And where we were at, Roy Farms, because um, they were really cool and did a, a, a little interview with us in this podcast. And You'll meet Andy. Did a great tour. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, they still had some of their like experimental hop batches growing out there and stuff because those, they're kind of they get to play around with and see what's going to work in the future. But those are creating future ops. But I want to play with you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was really cool timing. Cause if we would have went too early, we would have just seen a lot of hops on the vines and not really seen any of the harvesting process, which was actually pretty interesting. And if we would have went too late, too much, like just a little bit sooner than we did, they might've been too busy to even bother with us. Cause they're going 24 seven man cranking on those hops. Cause when they're ready to go, you got to pick them and get them out. And like, especially for these fresh hop beers that we're getting. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Those you only get for a short amount of time. Um, Cause a fresh hop beer has to come right off the vine basically. And okay, you're taking over the interview. Beer, so. We actually talked to Andy about all of these things. Yeah, but I love hops and, and you I do. love hoppy beer and I love <laughs> hoppies. But the, the Yakima I'm Valley. I'm really hoppy right now. You're really hoppy right now. <laughs> Cheers to being hoppy. Ooh. That was pretty. That was a good one. Dude, that should have been the end. Maybe that'll be the end. Cheers, too. That's what she said. Anyhow, we're almost... What? I don't know. What? <laughs> you could just throw that on anything, and it just is like... At no. Least, it's at least bafflingly funny, right? No. Like, right now, you're baffled, right? Yeah. Um, anyhow, I was saying Yakima <laughs> Valley isn't really just all about the hops. Like, it's a huge agricultural area. Uh, oh, yeah. You've heard yeah. of Washington, right? Like, Washington... Apples. Apples. <laughs> So, um, oh my gosh, acres and acres and acres of apple fields and other different um, veggies orchards. and orchards. orchards. But I was thinking like fields of veggies. So <laughs> I merged it in there. So apple orchards and fields of veggies and vineyards, like acres and acres of like different of vineyards. grapes and vineyards. And those of you guys who, you know, know us and travel, like Harvest House Baby, there's so many vineyards 
around yeah. there that have harvest hosts. Speaking of, we stayed at one. It was um, Will Ridge. Yeah, Will Ridge. Vineyard and Distillery, I think. Yeah, it is. They do some brandies, so yes, um, which are made from like pears and yeah. apples and grapes. Grown there, um, well, the grape is not brandy. It's um, uh, I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. Grappa, grappa, grappa. Is that Gra- right? Not grapple, grapple, grappa, grappa. Anyhow, um, from uh, Willridge too, we got this really cool. It's like a um, really less like footprint because it's not in a bottle, so it's less of a carbon footprint. But you get twice as much wine too. It's just a table wine, but from Will it's Ridge. a bag of wine. But it's red wine, table wine, and it's very, very good. No, and it's perfect because it's in a it's in a container that's um, light proof. So just like beer, you don't want it to get light struck. And even in a brown bottle, beer gets light struck a little bit if it's in the in the light. Yeah, Same thing with wine. So this uh, is pretty cool. Backpacking, baby. It's made for backpacking too. It would be perfect for backpacking, and it didn't explode on us like the beer one we tried one time. What beer one exploded on us? We got a... Okay, so we actually got this secondhand from friends that traded it to us for other beer. But there was a brewery in Montana, I believe, that they were trying the... Like, whatever it is. What I'm not sure what those bags are made out of. But it's, you know, like, pretty hearty bag that you could put alcohol in. And they put beer in it. Oh, because they were and, thinking yeah. that it would work for being on the river or backpacking yeah, for being yeah. like and active. Yeah, it would be great. But I don't know if it got overfilled or what. But like we had it in our RV in the refrigerator and it was even just overnight. We weren't even moving. So it wasn't shaking it up or anything. But for some reason, <laughs> that bag built up carbonation in it and boom, <laughs> kaboom. And then Beer. it's all over our fridge. And luckily, though, Beer remember... Everywhere. Remember, though, we were really lucky because before we brought it back, for some reason, we put it in like a, a grocery store plastic bag. So it wasn't so bad. And so at least when it exploded, <laughs> it exploded in the bag and just dripped out a little bit in the refrigerator. It was, Otherwise, it would have been on everything. Maybe it was something in the... Kenny's like super excited about talking about the beer that blew up in the bag. He's getting closer and closer to the microphone <laughs> and it's making it louder and louder as I'm watching it record. I'm just trying to balance us out. Maybe it's in the elevation or something. <laughs> I don't know. Anyhow, I have no idea. I'm not I'm not sure what went wrong with that one. I, I assume it was probably just overfilled a little bit or something, but um, I guess you can't have too much. Because I would beer. think it would work. I would think overall it's an idea that should work. It shouldn't just keep building and building okay. carbonation. We're so. way off topic of what we're talking yeah. about here. <laughs> it worked great for the wine. Anyhow, we were talking about the Yakima Valley area when I was talking about the vineyards and then um, there's farms. Oh, that's another time that we timed it perfectly. It was the last day of the farm for uh, West Valley You Pick Farms. And they had, it was the last day that they were open and you actually get to go in and pick all of whatever you want. So, yeah. That's what they do all their normal season. Yeah. When the harvest comes, they, they just grow stuff and you pay, you actually pay a little bit less. I mean, there's a lot of really good normal prices on stuff because you go out and pick it out of their orchards and their gardens and things like that yourself. I think but, they were just a little bit disenchanted with um, uh, 2020. Let's put it that C-word. way, politically correct. <laughs> The C word and the things that came with the C word, like the the certain restrictions they have. Of it, yeah, because I mean, there was a lot of food waste happening there, and I Mm -hmm. think it was because of, you know, COVID and people not being able to show up to pick like they normally would have. So, unfortunately, there was a decent amount of rotted veggies, but I'm glad the way they did it when we went there to pick the veggies was half off, and then their apples and pears or whatever was left was free. 
At that point, yeah, that point, and that and that was because you know it was gonna it was either that or it was gonna go to rot. So I honestly don't know if they do that every season or if they were just like trying to get some of the food out there yeah, to people. I don't know. We didn't really ask yeah. them about that because so. they didn't get enough um, people out there in the first place during COVID. Yeah, during the earlier part of the season, it, it, they weren't able to allow people into the vineyards or into the orchards and gardens and stuff to pick like they normally would. So they ended up with sorry too much rule. food too outside. early. Outside. Yeah, and then they orchards, had stuff that just vineyards, and they didn't have enough people to pick it themselves. So they it just a lot of stuff just went to waste, which is really unfortunate. So yeah, but that was a cool thing to just go and pick fruits and veggies and. I think, I don't know, we had like probably eight pounds of tomatoes, heirloom oh, tomatoes. And heirloom like tomatoes. And thanks to our good friend, Des, I now know that one of the tomatoes we picked was called a green zebra, mm. which was a pretty cool, interesting tomato that um, we honestly weren't sure if we picked it too ripe or if that was the kind of tomato it was when we picked it. Yeah. And, and it ended up being the tomato. It was, it was really good. good. Can you make cool. salsa? Yes. I made uh, like a spaghetti sauce and apple pie. And applesauce. I did we make used apple for sauce. like pancakes and yeah. stuff. That so was that really was good. good. Like chunkies and all. Oh, yeah. so, so from field, <laughs> from field to glass to dish. <laughs> ha ha ha. Ups. No, oh. Yakima was really cool. We really also cool had area. like we went to Single Hill Brewing. Um, we won't talk too much about that. If you really like Single Hill was awesome. We have a whole story about that from one of our last podcasts called Twenty Twenty Doesn't Suck because one of the beer tenders showed up and just knocked on our door and said, "Here's some free beer." It was awesome. But you can listen to that on the other podcast. Um, and Single Hill was just good because they use the fresh hops from Roy Farms. from Roy Farms and, and other places. And they were about just Roy really Farms, good. yeah, they we they had a really they had a yeah. bunch of really good. Um, fresh hop stuff. And Wandering Hop? Wandering was Hop was really cool, too. Yeah. Great brewery in Yakima. I think there was, like, what, five to seven breweries there? At least, yeah. We we only we didn't go to all of them, but we went to Single Hill, and we went to Wandering Hop. I think I said that. But, yeah. yes, we went to Wandering Hop. Wandering Hop was cool. We yeah. wandered into Wandering Hop. Oh, my gosh. Do that You're so cheesy. <laughs> I thought and I was cheesy, but I think you're the cheesy one in the relationship. That's crazy. Single Hill, uh, Wandering Hop, and, and Valley Brewing. Valley Brewing was another. They were all really too. cool. They had great outdoor spaces. Um, and then Bail Breaker, we would have loved to have gone to, but they're only doing like delivery or not deliveries, but like to just go. pickups. Yeah. But Bail Breaker is supposed to be one of one of the few, if maybe only, breweries actually being operated on a hop farm. Yeah, I don't, I've not heard of that before. I mean, I've heard of, I guess, farm breweries that have some hops growing, but they're not really hop farms. So, yeah, I this is the on first that. one. It's the first one I've heard of. So it's a, it's a cool idea. <laughs> but it is a it's a it hop is. farm brewery, so that's pretty damn cool because yeah. then you have all your hop supplies right there. And I was pretty impressed with Yakima. Obviously, there's a lot of IPAs all over the place at the breweries and stuff there. But, I mean, that's going to come just by being in Yakima because that's where hops are grown. And this time of year, especially, it's fantastic because they're fresh hops. So. That, and it's beautiful weather, too. And who would Living a Stout Life be if we didn't also talk about a little bit about mountain biking? Because there was some mountain biking trails. Yeah, there was I a little bit. kind of would like to call them more desert trails because, like, Colorado, uh, Washington, where we were at in the Yakima Valley, is more of a high desert. Um, mm. It is. Yeah. Because there's still, like, not as many sage fields and things, but it was wide open. It was at, called Rocky Top. Yeah. Yeah. But it was fun. I mean, we did like, what, eight, almost nine mile loop. 
Yeah, it was really fun. It was mostly single track and mostly blues and greens. And very blue and green. And the green blues were very greenish blues, I think. Yeah. In Nothing my opinion. Technical. Not a lot of hard climbing, not a lot of technical, just a little bumpy here and there. Nothing technical until your brake breaks. <laughs> until your brake breaks. Yeah, break well breaks. your brake broke. My so breaks your rear brake broke. Broke. <laughs> That was not but good. But Kenny's pretty good at Mr. Fix-It, so he fixed it so then I could still MacGyver enjoy the downhill. <laughs> I MacGyvered it a little bit. Yeah, and it worked. A little bit of duct tape and shoe polish, and we got that sucker going. <laughs> um. Yeah, so mountain biking, <laughs> wines, uh, apples, veggies, like... And lots of other, yeah, all kinds of veggies and stuff on a small scale there. Um, but yeah, the fruits, yeah. The, everything. Um, Washington, it's still beautiful. It still has, I mean, it's hop season so it's beautiful and the fresh hot beers and it's lovely and we've rambled on and gone way off topic too much so we're going to bring you back to andy roy from roy farms and he can talk all about hops baby you wish you could smell here smell my fingers can you smell whoa <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay here's andy you're ready to open up your ecstasy of green and the lateral A. Both, yes. And what are you drinking? I'm drinking an electric jellyfish from Fine House Pizza oh, yeah. in Austin, Texas. Ooh, Austin, we've been there. Yes. Yeah. And this, been these to are Fine House, they're a great place. The lateral yeah. A and the, what's that one? Ecstasy of Green. They're from Single Hill. In Yakima, Yakima Washington, Yakima. yeah. Perfect, right down the road. Which is where we are. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That is correct. Welcome with, to Yakima. Thank you. We're with um, Andy Roy. Yes. From that Roy is Farms. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Oh, so excited. Um, this is the first time we've actually been on a hop farm, so it's one of the main goals that we really wanted to come to Washington. Well, you hit at the right time, and just at the right time, too, because we're finishing up tomorrow, so you got just under the wire. So wait, if it was all done, then none of this would be... Exactly. Everything would be shut down. We wouldn't have saw any of this. Yep. It's Dude, a... timing. Yep. <laughs> Finally, we timed something right. <laughs> it would have been a ghost town, because once the machines stop, it's a mass exodus. And then probably, if we would have got here a month ago, we would have saw fields of hops, but not much action yet. Correct, and you see a lot more stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> now yeah. I can sit back and relax and have a beer, so this, is, this nice. works out perfect. Well, this is great time. Um, so could you give us a, maybe a quick history of Roy Farms? Because it's, what, 100, this is your 113th. Yes, it's my family's 113th consecutive hop harvest. My... Great grandfather came down from uh, Quebec region. Okay. Uh, in 1907, started harvesting hops. Had about, I believe, 30 acres. Wow. And he was part of the mass exodus down to Moxie area, the Yakima Valley, to grow hops because traditionally they were <clears throat> prior to that they were grown over on the East Coast in New York. But then virus and blight wiped out that crop, and everything kind of just migrated here. And so my family's been here since 1907, and my great-grandfather harvested. My grandfather started Roy Farms proper in the 1950s, and we've gone from a 30-acre farm to now we have over 6,000 acres of various crops. 3,500 of that, give or take a couple, is hops. And so we grow all all 3,500 acres, and have to pick it within a month. That is like, yeah, I don't think people realize when you go from from field to glass, that hop. Yep, just that it's, little. It's a finicky crop. I yep. mean, most crops are, they'll have their seasons and, you know, yeah, you no, don't get a lot of time usually when they're ready. People have to realize that hops are agriculture. 
and we are beholden to the agricultural gods and much like most of this year the agriculture gods are kind of pissed off <laughs> so we've had we've had windstorms we've had fires in the area which has made harvest just on track with the rest of 2020 so it's been a little it's been challenging but thank goodness we have an amazing team in place as we barreled ahead and we're still coming in under time of what we anticipated as if it wasn't a challenging year already exactly <laughs> but it's almost over <laughs> and soon this crop will be popping up into beers all across the country and overseas as well. So, so has any of this crop yet popped up into beers, so like in a in a wet hop beer or something around Washington? Or yes, you're yeah. drinking. Oh, one of the beer I have in my yes. hand. It's it has a, has our has our Strata in it, and that's a wet hop in this one. Correct. Well, don't hog it. Let me have to. <laughs> well, now that I know it's a wet hop in my beer, I got to make sure I'm <laughs> noticing the difference. <laughs> so, for people who don't know, what do you mean by wet hop? Ah, a wet hop beer is a hop, a beer brewed with hops that comes straight off the picker, which is straight from the field. Because their traditional hop will be picked off the vines, sent to a kiln, which is like a drying room, where they sit there for about 10 to 12 hours to get the moistures between 8 to 10%. But fresh hops or wet hops are captured before they're dried. So basically they just have the field weight and moisture and density that, um, that leads to more field-like kind of vegetal but bright flavors that brewers like to use. It's like the only true seasonal beer because you can only do it once a year. Right. Twice a year if you're using, you know, uh, southern hemisphere hops right because you have no way to hold that hop and keep it correct, fresh because once for you a period of time it's got to be like once no. you pick it it's just a ticking time bomb where it starts to degrade so that's why you want to get it dried and either baled or pelletized as quick as possible okay so that's why we go through the process of taking that everybody sees that beautiful hop cone and it's yep. like oh why do you take that down to a little pellet crush it all up but it's just for the predictability of it right exactly and it's i mean it'd be nice to have take a bind and just use it as decorative around your house but it's gonna start smelling fairly awful within uh <laughs> within a week or so so you've got that fresh hop time window of having it fresh in your house even yep exactly <laughs> beers last a little bit longer than that but still you thankfully. Want, yeah thankfully but yeah um this is Speaking of processes, could you kind of walk us through like the whole, I mean, so hopefully you guys will see the videos that we put up because we actually got to tour the place. Yes. Um, but could you maybe walk us through the process for our listeners as to how they start from like from the, the field, field. The field, yes. And then to where you say bye-bye. Of course, yeah. So basically what happens is we have empty trucks that go into um, the field. And in the field we have a tractor that has a bottom cutter, which is a low a low, uh, these little blades that cut the bottom of the binds so they're left hanging. Mm -hmm. And so once the top bottom cutter goes through, the truck drives in, is pushed by a tractor that has a top cutter, which cuts the top of the binds. They fall into the truck, truck gets loaded, truck comes to the picking facility, which hopefully the video comes through and you'll see, which goes into these little bays and they hook the hop binds onto these hooks, takes them to the back of the picking machine, the front end of the, of the machine is the picker, which is you go and get them loaded up. The back end is the cleaner. There's little fingers that strip off all the cones and leaves from the binds. Binds go get uh, sent to the back to compost. 
The rest of the machine, there's airdrops, dribble belts, everything to separate the cones from the leaves and the stems so you have as clean a product heading over to the kiln to be dried. And from there, they get laid into kiln beds, individual kiln beds, where they are dried for about 10 to 12 hours. Hops can kind of can come in around 80% moisture. You want to get them between 8 to 10%. They sit there for about 10 to 12 hours. We do moisture readings to make sure they're where we need them to be. Once they're done, we uh, drop them onto a conveyor belt, takes them over to cooling floor where we let them sit into large piles that, for about another several hours because you're dropping them hot and you want them to get to ambient temperatures. Okay. And once they sit there, then they can either be baled or, in our case, pelletized. Because a typical hop grower will pick it, dry it, bale it, and then send it off to the merchants to be pelletized at a later date. Bales, the polywrap that they're in keeps them nice and tight, but they're not, uh, they're not airtight. So basically oxygen can get to them, and oxygen is the enemy of hops. Their oxidation can occur. You can lose some of the aromas and oils that brewers find desirable. Alpha acids can drop we down. We find desirable in that beer. Exactly. When you pop that beer or have that glass and that, uh, that aroma just hits you in the nose. <laughs> exactly. So we do things a little differently. We have on-site pellet facilities, which means we bypass the baling process completely and go straight from the cooling floor all the way to the pellet facility. So we have Harvest Fresh pellets within 36 to 48 hours from field to pellet. So you're basically just keeping that hop as fresh as you can possibly keep it so that as much as you possibly can, you're keeping that aroma and that and the alpha acids, which are the bittering units for the beer, mm -hmm. in that as as fresh as you can and as, um, I guess, as stable as you can for that exactly. alpha acids? Yes, correct. Because once you put it in a pellet, you can basically have uh, stability as long as it's packaged correctly and stored at the right temperatures uh, within three to four years. So that's the big thing, that whole process of drying and then cooling and and either baling or pelletizing is to keep it so we don't lose those aromas and we and for the brewer we don't lose those bittering units that they need to like make a well-balanced beer exactly we want to make sure that we capture those aromas and oils okay so what the brewers envision and want their beer to be we can deliver because if they have say built a beer around say azaka or centennial or strata but they weren't processed at a proper time, they're, some, they're somewhat muted, or if they're picked at a different time, then it's not gonna be what they want it to be. So in order to make sure that we have the varieties picked when they should be, we have there's a certain picking window, we get them picked, processed, and pelletized as quick as possible, so they have ideally what exactly what they want. So along mm -hmm. those lines, I'm assuming that's part of what makes you stand out, because if I read correctly, it's like 75% of the North America's hops are grown in the Pacific Northwest. Correct. And so you've got to do something, I think, to stand out and to stick around for 113 years. Um, so what, besides those, are there any other things that make you stand out more? Because um, um, you focus like huge on like sustainability. Yes, yeah, I mean, we, like I said, we've been growing hops here for 113 years and we want to make sure that we treat the soil correctly and as soft farming as possible so our future generations can grow for another 113 years on the soil. So we can keep drinking the beer. Exactly. <laughs> so the little Roy's can come along. Yep. All the, yes, all the, <laughs> the future Roy's <laughs> will be able to pick and process the, you know, grow on this land because we, it's the one thing they're not making more of is land. True. I believe Lex Luthor said that in Superman. Land <laughs> uh, and time. Yep. Yep. So basically, <laughs> we just want to. We believe in not just 
just churning through the soil. We want to make it as soft as possible. Practice um, water, uh, you know, be as sustainable with our water practices so we don't just douse the, the, the hops. We want to make sure that we use as little water as possible in the most strategic and efficient ways possible so we don't have to use up too much water. We believe we are salmon safe certified, which means that we are limited in using some pesticides, pesticides and herbicides that could potentially be detrimental to fish and downstream. Oh, wow. We are Global Gap certified, which means it's an overall farming certification to make sure that, you know, uh, crops are grown and all of our employees are safe. Well, I wanted to touch on one thing because I think you said as we were walking around touring um, that you also installed solar a few years ago. Yes. So that you're basically kind of energy independent. Correct. Yeah. So we installed solar panels on both our pellet facilities several years ago. And with the energy that we generate off of those, it allows us uh, to be net zero with our usage. So we have 100% solar powered pellets. That's awesome. Um, is there any way for consumers to like find out like where the hell your hops end up in the beers that they like? Because that's yeah. a hard thing, right? Nobody lists where the hops come from on the beers. That is most true. Times. Sometimes they do. Uh, we get the I mean, we get the variety sometimes, but not typically the yeah, exactly. producer. Well, you should just ask. We'll just, a, we ask do it, ask a yeah, lot. So. Ask your favorite brewers where they get their hops. Talk to your brewers. Yep. Okay. Oh, I wanted to talk about the experimental. But you have a lot of the hop varieties that everybody wants and we're used to in our beer and even the new edgier ones. But you guys create some of your own, right? I mean, you... Correct. How does that, how does that work, that whole process of coming up with a new hop? I mean... We are... Um, one of three partners in the ADHA breeding program, which is the America, the Association for the Development of Hop Agronomy. It's us and Wyckoff Farms and Green Acre Farms, three farms in the valley. Okay. And we have a breeding program on site. We have an experimental picker on site. Basically what they do is they cross two different varieties with, ideally with genetics that you find desirable. One has great agronomics, one has great aromas. Marry them together, hope for the best. It's basically a shotgun effect to do as many varieties as possible. We have a bunch of single hills out there, which a single hill is a single bind coming out of the ground. And first thing we do is we look for agronomics. We want to make sure that it's very full, very heavy cones. We're ideally looking for 14 bales an acre. A typical bale is 200 pounds, so we want to get at least 2,800 pounds per acre. Is my math right? Yeah, I think that's right, right? So that's just basically, um, you're not just trying to come up with a great smelling hop or a great tasting hop or whatever. You want it to be efficient too. So you're not, again, that kind of goes back to the sustainability of your Correct. of your land. Yeah. So you can maybe produce a little more. Grow more with, with less, yes. Right, so you yeah. cause less damage, less mm -hmm. harm to the soil. Yeah, so we want to find something that's uh, agronomically sound and also disease resist resistant because that way, if it grows great, but then is prone to mildew, powdery mildew, downy mildew, or blight, or anything like that, that'll just cost more money to spray and also possibly add detrimental you know, uh, chemicals yeah. that we don't want. So basically we want it to be disease res resistant and also economically sound. And then, then if it's repeatable after several years, then we'll start looking at aroma and oil profiles because we don't want to get too attached to aroma before we look at the agronomics because if you have a great smelling hop but it only yields like three bales an acre, that's just not going to be right. 
cost effective for anyone to buy or grow. Uh, grow. So that's kind we, of the home brewer scale. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we get married to the agronomics first, and then we look at aroma oils, and then we make sure that it's repeatable year to year because, like, one year it smells like you know guava, passion fruit, all these great uh, flavors that people want. Then the next year it smells like Play-Doh. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want Play-Doh. Yeah, like the best. You, know, yeah, you, know, you don't. You want to make sure it's repeatable. You don't want to just roll the dice and. And then you've got a lawsuit too, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> May bring nostalgia, but it's not going to be tasty. There's a lot of creative beers out there. Yeah. So about how often, how often, or how long does it take you? Like on average, do you come up with an experimental hop that works out that becomes a long-term producer? Yeah, I mean it can vary. I mean you could have one year where you find like two or three great ones, then not have one for like three years. It it really varies. Okay. And it is that true shot effect. Exactly. The key is repeatability. Okay. And consistency because you want to make sure that it's you want to track it year to year to make sure the yields are where they need to be and where the aroma is where it needs to be. Right. And then once you have, kind of have that baseline, then you start sending it out to brewers to make sure that it works in a beer because it may smell yeah. great on the on the table, but when you put it into a beer, it doesn't carry over. There's really no more point. And it's true. That's dead there. Yeah, if you're client can use it. Maybe I'm biased towards beer, but it seems like is that like the only thing that you ever really like paying attention to the smell of something? <laughs> like you have to oh, repeat right. the smell. Yeah, no, because I mean, yeah, when the these smell. brewers have like a core beer, like we'll say like this beer that I'm drinking right now, Jellyfish. They want to make they. It has a fan base. It has a certain expectations of what it's supposed to taste mm-hmm. like. So they want to be able to repeat that without having these wild swings in aroma variability. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you got to be consistent. Because once you, especially in a flagship beer, it's like, if that changes all the time, mm-hmm. people are like, you stink as a brewer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. And then just blame it on the hops. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, so don't ask where the hops come from. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. One yeah. last thing you question? wanted to say about hops. Um, I just want to say that, uh, as you saw in the tour, there this facility takes up a large chunk of area it's very large it's very loud and this whole facility is used for just one product that goes into one product no other product and it's used for one month out of the year and the rest of the year it's the world's largest most expensive paperweight <laughs> well, I'm gonna say cheers to the most yes. world's largest most expensive paperweight heck yeah I'm glad it exists yeah <laughs> cheers. cheers cheers those are cans you heard them clinking yeah clink clink <laughs> Makers is the place to be. Farm living is the life for me. You have no idea how hard it was not to interrupt Andy when he said that when he was collaborating with the other two farms. And Green Acres was one of them. It was so hard <laughs> to not sing that song. So I had to do it on the exit out. Thank you for that? saving that for me. <laughs> just welcome. for me. Well, just for all of us, I guess. And now it's everybody gets to hear it. <laughs> We're all in this together. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> off. <laughs> no, it's just you. You're the only one stuck with me right now. No, everybody's stuck with you right now. <laughs> Anybody listening here is stuck with you. Yeah, they can push stop. Oh, that's true. Don't, I can't, though, I can't push no, stop. <laughs> no, you can't push stop. But you guys don't push stop. I'll behave. I'm, I won't. Anyhow. Um, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> it was cool to like have the tour. And um, I think... 
Whether we mention it or not on the podcast with Andy, there's a whole video that goes along with this. So check out our YouTube channel because, and it's also on our website. Um, there's a little video that shows the entire process that Andy was talking about with harvesting hops. It's pretty cool. For us, the consumers um, who aren't involved in the actual process of growing the hops or any kind other kind of agricultural product, it just it sounds glamorous. I mean, they're hops. They're our beloved hops that go into our beers that make IPAs and all of our other beers smell and taste so good that when you're actually watching the entire process, like you realize that it's, I mean, it sounds glamorous. It's not. It's like brewing, being a brewer. It sounds glamorous. It's not. <laughs> well, or like being a rock star. It's like hops are like the lead singer of beer, you know. They get to get out there and get all the attention, you know. It's like malts don't get all the sexy yeah. attention. The hops are the sexy lead singer out there. And yet they still live the rock star lifestyle, which usually means hours and hours on a tour bus and doing interviews and, and it's not all it's Good. all not all glamorous the glamour part is what we get in this beer you know we get the beautiful aromas and smells and tastes that come out of those hops there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes to get these beautiful hops yeah. in our beautiful beer so um i have to say that i have to repeat what andy said though mm -hmm. um cheers to the world's largest paperweight <laughs> Hells yeah. Because without, you know, that, there's only four ingredients really needed to make beer. And without that one, it's not beer. Really without any of them, it's not beer. But yeah, this is the one that oh, really. No. I don't know. Makes don't, you open your eyes and go, ooh. Well, that's the one that people know. True. Which is funny though, because if that's the one that people know really well, a lot of times, I think I remember on the podcast too, asking Andy, like, you can't, how do you know where your hops are coming from? Like what farms they came from or where they come from and all the ingredients. It's not usually listed. And it's the same with malts too. Oh yeah. Um, the yeasts, I guess it's the same with every single individual ingredient. You're not exactly sure exactly where they're coming from. You not can get usually. the names of the hops and maybe the names of the yeasts and malt is even less perceived as less sexy but each and every one of those ingredients in beer are like equally important oh yeah and i mean the i think the most you're typically going to know is you might know what kind of area of the world or what region of a country that something comes from mm. because certain things certain malts are only grown certain places and certain um certain hops are only grown basically in certain places so you might know that, but yeah, you're not going to know that this was this farm or but, that farm right. or this yeast provider or that yeast provider, or I pulled it out of the backyard. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but mostly though, um, if you have like a small brewery that you love in, or just a brewery that you want to go check out. And if you talk to the beer tenders or even the brewers that are almost oftentimes even behind the bar, oh, yeah. a lot of times they'll know. Unlike if you go to a bar bar, and say, what kind of hops are in this? Or what kind uh, of malts are you using? Uh, they'll look at you like, well. But uh, if you talk to a brewer or possibly or a beer tender at a brewery, they're super excited to help you figure it out. Oh, yeah. That's and I mean, cool. especially if you get a brewer, be ready. Because they want to talk about all that usually. Yeah. <laughs> and they want to show it all yeah. off. Because they're, you know, they're really proud of their product. And the people, they, they're usually pretty choosy about who they work with to get their ingredients. But yeah, and a lot of the beer tenders too, because a lot of them are assistant brewers or brewers or, you know, just very involved 
because they love beer like we do. So now you might have to do it and talk to your beer tenders or brewers if they happen to be behind the bar while you're ordering your beer and that's all you get. So make it quick and precise. However, here's to the time Mm -hmm. where we can just, you know, hang out at the bar and talk to the brewers again. It's coming. It is. Anyhow, just, you know, that goes back to everything that we've always said. Say hi to a stranger. Uh, And your brewer shouldn't be a stranger. Hell no. All right. Yeah. Green. No, no, no. Okay. Roy Farms, the largest paperweight. You you can hit something now. Hops. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, cheers to that. Cheers Cheers to to being hoppy. Hoppy. Oh, help me. I'm drowning in cheese. Keep, keep going with the cheese. Wait, we cheers, but what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to subscribe. Subscribe. Obviously, we need more beer. Buy us a beer. Buy There's us a, a beer. Leave us a review. Share our podcast with your friends. We'd love that. So, yeah. Okay. Until next time. Peace out. We'd love to hear from you, so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This Stout Conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer travel and adventure lifestyle needs.